0: You're listening to the Big Locals Podcast, a podcast platform built to serve the locals. Join us as we follow the innovative, eccentric, and movers and shakers of the Denver community. Brought to you by the not-so-local host, Ian Jimeno. Shop local, support local. Big Locals Podcast. to the Big Locals Podcast. My name is Ian Jimeno and I have a very special guest for you all today featuring the wonderful Katie Green of The Boozy Botanist. When I was first introduced to her by Virgil of Cream Kimchi, she had such a sweet setup going for her line of products, both related and not related to alcohol. In fact, I used her more than maple simple syrup in my Earl Grey tea this morning. And it was so much more than just adding sugar. It added complexity and brought out the bergamot and the Earl Grey tea. Speaking of her products, my eyes couldn't deviate away from the eye-catching packaging, the customized banner, and the overall professional setup at the night market adjacent to Fort Green, not named after Katie, of course. I was even more impressed when I found out that she only started the Boozy Botanist in August. You know, Katie burned the ships when she landed on the metaphorical entrepreneur island and Katie has been crushing the game ever since. And I'm really excited to introduce you all to the boozy botanist herself, Katie Green. Now, if you really like this podcast, be sure to leave a like, follow, subscribe, review, five stars or whatever for the podcast. I want the world to hear about the up and coming Denver entrepreneurs and artists of this day and age. And a couple shout outs here, the boozy botanist wouldn't have been able to get this far without her own support foundation, and every person and organization she mentions in the show is in the show notes for your benefit. The featured artist in this episode is Machulenea, an artist producing music best described as future electronic dance art. The soundscapes, the rhythmic drums, and the featured local vocalists all come together to provide such a harmonious blend of music. The song in particular is called Got Me. I first heard Machu Linnea on the Indie 102.3 featured artists for the month of December. Keep crushing it, Indie 102.3. I am so glad I'm getting these incredible artists on my radar. And I'm even more glad I can provide another platform to get their music out into the world. Check out Machu Linnea's newest album called Hexotica on Spotify, iTunes, or... Anywhere else you like to listen to music these days, heck, buy Hexotica on Bandcamp. It's probably the best money you could spend under 10 bucks and you get to support your local artists. One more huge shout out to Pablo Vialpando out in the San Jose, California area for working on the Big Locals website. Pablo himself has a local mindset, helping out the smaller businesses and side hustles, such as this podcast, with a bartering system. I agreed to trade some of my home-brewed beer for his services on the website. Check out his own website and become part of his own bartering system. Or if you need an SEO expert, search engine optimization expert for your website, look for pablovielpando.com. I'll put his website in the show notes, so check that out. Now, without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with Katie Green, the Boozy Botanist. Katie Green of the Boozy Botanist. How the heck are you?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. I am super excited to hear about your story. I've only met you maybe like twice before even today and you are just at it. You know, you burned the ships as soon as you landed on the island of Boozy Botanist. I'm just really excited to hear your story and your cocktails and your garnishes.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you and your wife are such big supports of the small vendor community and it's been a blessing to meet you guys. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome. Well, I have a special, special treat for the audience members. Um, What we're actually going to be doing is doing this little sort of ASMR sort of thing. Uh, She, Katie, is going to show me how to properly implement her several ingredients of the boozy botanist including the one-for-one one, more than maple simple syrup her garnish with oranges dehydrated oranges and also the festivist bitters i am super excited for this because i didn't feel like i'm much of a bartender but after this even just having the ingredients out in front of me i feel like i'm just a little bit more experienced you know it's just like osmosis just loving the stuff so um tell me what we are about to make katie
1: I've been calling it my festival fashion. So we're going to do a few different things here. So with your rocks glass or your highball glass, whatever you want to call it, um, without ice first. So take your shot glass here. And I have a figure here that gives me two ounces of my pour. So I'm going to take my I'm using a Knob Creek rye something a little bit spicier. Um, I tried out the cocktail last night, you know, to practice strictly for research um, to make sure the whiskey was going to be, I I chose a whiskey previously that was too smooth. So I went with something a little spicier. So I'm going to take the two ounces of rye bourbon and I'm going to pour it straight into my glass.
0: Okay.
1: You're going to take the Festivus bitters here and this, for those that have yet to try it, it's real heavy on the clove, allspice, cinnamon, orange, ginger. Um, it's sweetened with a little bit of cane sugar. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take two whole droppers of that and put it into your glass on top of the whiskey.
0: Do you mind showing me how much you're putting into there?
1: Absolutely. Let's go down here. So take a full dropper's worth. You'll get about okay. that much. And Perfect. two of those into your cocktail glass.
0: I got you one in there. Use
1: your shot glass for this. But if you were to get some tools, a bar spoon is preferred for your amount of sugar you're going to be putting in. So this is actually a Japanese bar spoon, which is a slightly smaller than what an American bar spoon would be. I believe it's an eighth of an ounce. I should probably know that. Um, I'm going to take my more than maple simple syrup and I'm going to fill up my bar spoon here about two times. So if you're using a shot glass, you're going to fill it up just barely above the bottom. Perfect. And since you're using a little bit of a larger spoon, that one amount, maybe do one and a half. Okay. Just to make sure it's sweet enough.
0: Sure. And what is in this simple syrup?
1: All kinds of stuff. I recently discovered maple sugar, which is kind of what inspired me. I had actually found the bottles first and decided I just had to have those. And so I went with organic cane sugar, brown sugar, maple sugar. I use a vanilla bean powder, a cinnamon stick, one cardamom clove, allspice, and um, and clove as well. So it kind of gives you a little bit of extra flavor on top of that maple.
0: And I do so, have to say, this smells amazing.
1: Good. I actually really recommend you putting the more than maple simple in your coffee. Um, I put cinnamon in my coffee grounds, and it's just a total game changer. So like a little bit of this just add something extra to your day. Amazing. So I have some ice here. If I I wish I had the large cubes, which would be preferred. Um, smaller ice cubes are just gonna dilute a little bit faster. So go ahead and fill your glass up. Um, I say like I don't know. Almost to the top. Okay. Okay. So now you can take your bar spoon. Yeah that's probably good. Because it's going to dilute as you stir. So with your bar spoon here, you're going to give yourself a few good stirs.
0: Okay. It's
1: going to coat your glass. It's going to dilute the drink a little. And regular ice is going to melt faster than a larger cube. Mm -hmm. So there you go. There you have your old-fashioned. And I want you to garnish it with a piece of dehydrated orange. Okay. I kind of have the variety pack here. So I'm going to dig here to the bottom and I'm going to place an orange right on top. And you should be good to go. I'd say cheers, Ian.
0: Cheers.
1: (laughs) Cheers. Mm, Nice and spicy on the nose.
0: Oh my goodness. I feel like an actual bartender. This tastes amazing.
1: Good. If it needs to be sweeter, that can be added, but I like to start, less sweet just in case. I'm not, I'm sweet enough. So I don't really need it.
0: <laughs> wow. This is so good. I mean, as far as this combination, so you said it's a festivus, old fashioned. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. I've been a Seinfeld fan since I was a child. I think it has like built the foundation of my humor. I'm such a dry, sarcastic, asshole most of the time. And I think that really was like grounded in Seinfeld from a very young age. And so I'm trying to come up with names for this like concoction and Festivus for the rest of us. It just That's had to boring. be. <laughs> so, do you, I think ever, ever,
0: do you think you're ever going to have like, um, garnish Nazi or maybe like cocktail Nazi or something?
1: It is hard to name things. Like I have just decided to like lean into like just the cheesiest part of myself because and then, you know, my very humble self, my other simple syrup is as uh, sweet as me. So like naturally mm. it's as darling <laughs> as I have. <laughs> and, like, I don't know, it's hard to like, put a label on stuff. And so I've just decided to like run with it. And I'm like, well, whatever tacky, funny reference I can come up with, that'll be it.
0: Way to go, way to own it. And I know a bunch of Seinfeld fans out there that would love this festivus for the rest of us. I think it's brilliant.
1: I've sold a few bottles just because I've met fellow Seinfeld fans. I want a drink, well, buy one. I'm like, perfect, that's wonderful news.
0: Well, awesome. Well, before you were making these amazing cocktails, uh, I'm actually curious with uh, your previous life. I mean, all I know about you, Katie, is you being this uh, shop owner that uh, just owns this whole place. You know, you have your own special corner with nice fairy lights going on and everything with the baskets and very professional, uh, I have to say. I love that sort of professional aspect to yourself. But before the boozy botanist even came to be, like, what were you doing? What did you do in college? Or I mean, um, what was your life uh, growing up and leading into the boozy botanist?
1: I feel like I've kind of done a lot of things. And I've had like a lot of odd jobs since I've been in Denver, or at least they felt odd at the time. But I have really tried to remember no matter what, that, you know, something from this experience is teaching me for the next thing. And the boozy botanist feels like the perfect like accumulation of my skills. No matter like what weird job it's been, or like no matter what I've been doing, it has absolutely like had its fingers in where I am now. And I think that just points me, just like lets me know every day that I am on the right path and like the choices I have made have led me to this moment, even the good and the bad choices. And that's reassuring to me. (laughs) (laughs) Because as mentioned to you previously the boozy botanist has felt a little bit just like mixing up wild potions in my house. <laughs> I stay up very late. I'm kind of a vampire person. And to find out that people enjoy my late night, crazy creations that I call potions is really reassuring. Um, yeah,
0: and with you creating these potions, uh, I'm just going to put that in quotes, potions. Okay. Um,
1: I don't know what else to call it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you uh, craft these potions, um, have have you had this innate ability about it or do you feel like you uh, had to grow into it? You know, did you maybe have this side of your brain that was like, you know what? I love this sort of herbal naturalist aspect to creating cocktails or maybe just having plants more in my life. How do you feel about that? Do you think it's more of a nature or a nurture aspect to it for you?
1: Honestly, both. I just recently started this herbalism Half, um, at least formally, mm-hmm. I think I've been raised by many herbalists and, you know, people in my world. I come from a long line of plant people. I don't think it's much coincidence that I am a green. That is my last name. <laughs> and we are definitely strong willed and tend towards mm-hmm. the more natural way of life. Um, but I didn't start seeking out like a certificate or any like formal knowledge in herbalism until this year. And so when it came to like creating a product, um, my partner Dylan and I are big cocktail enthusiasts. He has definitely showed me this cocktail world and has invited me and showed me. And he's really an incredible cocktail craftsman, I have to say. And I have been his apprentice, I feel like, for many years. And wanted to combine this like herbal element, but then also once you get far enough into both, you realize that they're one of the same. The liquor store alone. Um, is like the biggest plant store, you know, it's every, everything we drink in the alcoholic world is derived from plants and herbs. And once you like start breaking down those things and understanding what it's in and how it's made, it only helps you complement it better.
0: I know tequila is from agave or like some sort of like aloe plant, right? What about some of the other, um, you know liqueurs or the other alcoholic beverages can you sort of like maybe pinpoint each one of them maybe like oh, whiskey. Sure. i
1: yeah. mean it, from vodka coming from potatoes or grain alcohol i mean i use 190 proof grain alcohol in my bitters and it is flammable and it comes <laughs> in a 5 gallon drum and it's the coolest thing i think it's starting to like affect my personality i feel a little bit like a moonshiner or like i don't know it like gives me this edge that i I've really been like enjoying in this last chapter but beer from hops i mean wine from grapes i mean those are just the tip of the iceberg um chartreuse is one that is really that dylan has actually kind of been educating me about and based on how many herbs are actually within it it's like unknown there's like two people on the planet that know the exact recipe and they like can't wow. be in the room together at the same time
0: what in the chartreuse tell me a little bit more about that i'm that I have never heard of this word in my life.
1: I have it over there somewhere. (laughs) I have a pretty extensive liquor cart. We are needing to evolve it. Um, Again, strictly for research, I swear. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely worth, I, I really want to share the knowledge of these things and also learn more. It's been an interesting path because there's so much to learn and I know I'm certainly not the most knowledgeable on it. But it's just something I strive for, same with herbalism. I almost get shy when I talk about it because it's it's a world of so many things that need to be learned that
0: mm-hmm. I have to.
1: so although I'm happy for the knowledge I have now, I know there's so much more ahead of me.
0: I think that's the best aspect about you where you're not you you admit that you're not as knowledgeable as so many other people and you're humble about it. But the excitement beneath your eyes is what people get really excited for, you know, with the boozy botanist and the amount of creativity that you put into these packages and the, you know, the eye candy that you put into these uh, crafts, you know, it, I, I feel like people are drawn to this stuff and almost everyone loves alcohol. You know, it's, I feel like it's just a match made in heaven for this stuff. For so sure.
1: For sure. so many of my mentors have been in such a position of like, despite their status, they have always just come to me with bright eyes, willing to learn from me as I've been willing to learn from them. And I hope to carry that in whatever field I am in as a teacher, because we all are teachers.
0: (laughs) We all are teachers and students at the same time. Absolutely. In in every aspect. I I do, before we continue, I do want to touch on um, your herbalism certificate a little bit more, because this is the first time that I've ever heard of it. And there's extensive training that goes along with it. So I wanted to, you know, pick your brain a little bit on what's sort of necessary. Is there any prerequisites before we get into this program? And when you're at the end of it, what does that sort of make you? Are you like potions master at that point? Like Harry Potter status or what what should we expect of you, Katie?
1: Uh, I am taking a... 500-hour herbalism certificate through Denver Integrative Massage School. Um, During all of the madness of this year, I was like, I feel very grounded in education and just learning in general. I think when life feels messy, it's really easy to turn to learning and like ground yourself in books and knowledge. And especially when you don't have the option to go many places, there's plenty of places you can go in your studies. Mm. And so I was really desperate to get back to learning again. Um, I had graduated from CU Denver uh, almost exactly a year before that and uh, was searching around online and found, was just looking for like a day class, honestly just a couple hours and came across this certificate and it's been an absolute game changer. There is a little bit of controversy in the plant like herbalism community. At least I've observed Um that there's not necessarily any real credentials to be an herbalist. You know, I know pl- plenty of people who wander around the woods their entire lives and are more knowledgeable plant people than you'd ever find anywhere else. Because how else do you learn other than hands-on engagement with nature and plant life and all these things? Mm. Um, there are credentials to be like a certified... Um, you know, clinical herbalist, where you actually see patients. And I think those are kind of being adjusted through time to create some sort of standard. I think there's, you know, a thousand hours of clinicals and certain things that have to be accomplished in order for you to invite a patient into your office, listen to their story and the ailments they're dealing with, and then prescribe a plant regimen for that. which is something I would definitely like to achieve at some point. I think this is just the introductory and gives you enough knowledge, but I think frankly, they're just there to inspire people. I am so incredibly impressed. It's primarily a female class, which is fascinating. There is one man in the class and the first time I met him, I asked him if he had been frozen in a block of ice somewhere He's 21 years old and is straight up a Viking. <laughs> he has more knowledge about the earth and life and nature and spirituality than anyone I've met anywhere remotely to his age or any other. I'm like, you are not even from this time. But the amount of young people in this course that have gone off to start their own businesses and have come like taken upon themselves to use this knowledge to fuel their lives. That is the most inspiring part of all of this. And it's all based around herbs. <laughs> That's so, it's been a really magical experience.
0: That is so cool. And I, I really do think he was frozen in a block of ice, especially him looking like a Viking. I mean, if he's that close to the North Pole, I feel like there's some sort of missing link. We didn't
1: you know, know each other for know. long until I had asked them that question. And <laughs> sure. I will always remember him this way. <laughs>
0: Awesome. So I'm really excited to see what steps and how you can break that ceiling of, you know, once you uh, get the certificate and learn about the herbalism uh, to its fullest extent, how you can implement this into your cocktails. So it seems like even before you started this class, you started the Boozy Botanist. So what really started your journey down as the one and only Boozy Botanist? And why did you even want to take that? jump off the cliff.
1: Um, so before I started the boozy botanist, I was working for a restaurant in Denver and I'd kind of felt like at the time I had reached some sort of level working in industry. Um, I was working at a pretty nice Japanese restaurant in Rhino and very high end. The training was extensive. Um, you know, it was like a status to say that I worked there and all of these things. And, Come March 16th, 2020, um, I received a text message from my employer that I was unemployed until further notice. And my partner, who also worked in industry at the time, received a very similar message. And I really will never forget sitting on our patio, you know, drinking coffee. We both had shifts that night to realize that we didn't really have anywhere to go. You know, it was like, whoa, all responsibilities, you know, like we didn't really have any answers yet. And so I'm a doer and I have had a lot of self-growth through these last few months of realizing that my, you know, worth as a person isn't how long my to-do list is because for so many years I've been rushing and rushing to get to both jobs or go to school or whatever was on my plate. And I, you know, valued at the top of the list, all of a sudden that list was gone and I still had to feel good about myself and my life and the things I had to accomplish and how I was going to continue to grow and move forward. And with a few months of kind of sitting on that and just deciding to embrace free time, and I had a lot of room in my brain <laughs> to like think and feel. And I um, have worked in farmer's markets for five years. Um, it's always been my summer job. So I'm not... It's not a foreign world to me to meet families that own their own businesses. And I know some families that work just the summer and then they time the rest of the year because (laughs) they get everyone together and they work really, really hard for a few months of the year. And then the rest of the year, they recuperate and they spend time together and they bring their kids to work. Mm -hmm. And like there's things of that lifestyle that I really value and enjoy, but I never really knew what my thing would be. You know, what would I sell? What would I make? And it seems like all of those things just like built up in me like a storm and it was like i finally had this idea and i was going to run with it as fast as i could because i it's almost like i was making up for lost time and i feel like a professional in this world i can put up any tent in the matter of a second <laughs> i i have these weird skills i can carry multiple tables at a time i mean farmers market life trains you in really weird ways <laughs> <laughs> and I love it and so to me this new crowd of market people has been like, I feel like I've entered the adult farmer's market mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've reached this like heaven state. <laughs> it's, that's what I've been looking for this whole time.
0: Yeah. You've reached Nirvana through the night market.
1: Oh, it's amazing. It's like everything I've ever wanted and I don't have to get up at 6 AM. It's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Luckily Virgil, um, he accommodates for everyone's, uh, sleep schedule and has it later on in the day. And him that that dude himself is already a godsend for so many people just to provide a platform for pop-up shops, for, um, I mean, I guess everyone that is anything with the community, you know, having everyone all in one spot just for people to not have a, only a, a farmer's market that's on like a Saturday or Sunday from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m., but something at night. You know, uh, as far as those Asian night markets go that he sort of inspired this night market, uh, events on, um, he is such a great guy to even know. And I, I'm curious, how did you even correspond with, um, with Virgil and how did you sort of like find your place? It seems like you really integrated very well with the people in the night market and people is it's just so filled with love every time I go there. Um, but how do you know Virgil and how did you sort of incorporate yourself in that lifestyle?
1: To like cap the previous comment, it was just, you know, this has all been an opportunity to like make myself the boss and to put myself in opportunities to make my own money. And, you know, it was just as risky for me to work for myself as it was to work for someone else, especially during this time. And so holidays were coming and I was determined to launch my products online by December 1st. Because it's really easy to just continue to be a perfectionist. And, you know, I have a really hard time stopping of, like, creating inventory. Like, I never feel like it's enough. Um, Earlier this summer, amongst the many skills you learn when you're, like, stuck in your house for long extended periods of time, I learned how to crochet. And I crocheted this massive blanket for a friend of mine. Um, Everyone laughed. That was my very first project because I was like, I'm going to make a king size blanket. (laughs) I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop. And so it's funny because that was very, very shortly before the discovery of the boozy botanist. And so I think of that metaphor often in my mind of like one more stitch, one more stitch. (laughs) (laughs) Because at one point, we just have to set it down and understand that this is what you've got to sell. And I'm gonna run with it. You know, when this leaves, there's room to make more. And uh, <laughs> so, launching in December, December first was my very first day. And a couple weeks in, you know, online sales were doing pretty good. But makes me nervous because you have to continue to market those things, and you have to continue to make yourself seen online. And I know it's easier for me and my personality to grab people and talk to them for 30 minutes and go, "Here, this is what I have for you." You know, don't you love it? And come from farmers markets or just who I've been raised to be, I'm not quite sure. Um but through actually my farmers market connections, um I was seeing vendors post about the night market. And I had seen a couple posts and frankly I was like a little jealous. It's like, huh, how how are they there? You know, it's canceled right now. You know, like every, you can't find an event to vend at and One night I sat on the computer looking at holiday markets and it was pretty depressing to pull up, you know, Denver holiday markets, all bold and then canceled, 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 canceled. And it's like, yeah, I'm sitting here with a room full of inventory being like, I don't know how in the world I'm going to be able to sell all this. Hmm. I just reached out to Virgil through Instagram and decided that night I had to fulfill all my online orders. It was a Friday night. And I had to fill them all because just in case Virgil messaged me back and wants me there Saturday. And so I filled all my orders to make sure I knew exactly how much I had to sell. And sure enough, he asks me to come in and vend. And so that was my very first night meeting Virgil. We shared Christmas lights together. It's very romantic. (laughs) He texts me on his way to the market and says, hey, best friend, you're probably going to beat me there. But like, here's your spot. You know, here's what you need to know before you get there. And now Virgil and I address each other as best friend. And I think that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> he's amazing.
0: Yeah, right. I feel like he's everyone's best friend. And I often joke that Virgil knows more people than he doesn't know in the Denver community.
1: I swear. The, and the more I get into the market world with him and the more people find out that I'm there, like everybody knows Virgil. And everybody knows that kimchi. You can't forget it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's changed our whole world.
0: Yeah. I, you know, with uh, your pop-up shop and having everything up on December 1st, getting everything ready like that, I it seems like you've been at a couple of pop-ups now, um, even just in the month of December. What's sort of your best product and what's been like a really popular, you know, selling?
1: I'm really honestly... I thought the bitters, like before I put anything on the market, you know, I'm like, okay, the bitters and the garnishes, those are going to be the best sellers because they're the easiest. And I think I like underestimated my clientele and I almost forgot about Mm -hmm. it because I now think I have to provide recipes and ways to use this in more complex ways because people are drifting towards the simple syrups and the infusion kits. And so they have these major ingredients to put into cocktails and they want to know exactly how to use it. Mm -hmm. And so I think those, the infusion kits and the simple syrups have been really hard for me to hold on to. I have been really fortunate to actually sell some things in bulk as well to some like subscription box companies uh, or, you know, beginning brands. They actually are both female owned and invested in me early on. And I'm looking forward to, to actually working with them through February, hopefully. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, the infusion kits and the simple syrups have been really just people love that stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think Kat, uh, she picked up this, the more than maple one for one Mm -hmm. simple syrup. And we were just amazed like with the amount of um, I don't know, just everything in here. I'm going to read off the ingredients list. You got some organic cane sugar in there, brown sugar, maple sugar, vanilla bean powder, a cinnamon stick, cardamom, allspice, and a clove. You know, it's not just everything that's sweet about it. It has some complexity to it. You know, I think that's the thing with, I mean, by the way, this drink is amazing. I'm like sipping on it through this interview and I feel like I, I can barely taste the alcohol and it has this really nice spice to it. It, This is really good stuff. And I I feel like a a lot of it has to come from like the bitters and the simple syrup and everything about it. That's not just the whiskey, you know, It sort of like brings it up as opposed to masks it. You know, I I feel like you have this really good combination of it and yeah, for sure. And when it comes down to it, it, I, I, I feel like this combination and your simple syrup is such a beautiful combination. What sort of inspired you to put in not just the sweetness for the simple syrup, but the allspice, the cardamom, the everything else.
1: (laughs) I think that's the herbalism. I think that's the, I am very passionate about herbs and plants and spices. And, um, I think the most beautiful and satisfying thing in my life is putting things in jars. (laughs) I know it's simple, but they're, I don't care how big the jar is. When I first started all of this and reached like a certain level, I was able to purchase like the big gallon jars, not only to brew my bitters in, that was kind of a milestone, you know, I moved beyond. I started out brewing in like little tiny, eight ounce mason jars and then 32 ounce. And then finally I was like, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> like I'm gonna do yeah. it for real. And I bought the gallon jars and that's when I bought the five gallon drum. Just to be able to play with herbs on this level, you know, and to have the resources, like I've always loved this stuff too, which is interesting. Before I even like gave myself permission to like pursue herbalism, I have always been passionate about it and have loved it in all areas of life, really. But I just never really saw myself doing it until not that long ago. But I I view my house as like a little old woman with jars of herbs lining the walls and having cures and teas made for all sorts of things. And there's like, the plant thing is, it's so easy to connect with. And especially when you're taking in plants that grow where you live, you know, even in the city, that's something that herbalism, my program has showed us is that medicine grows in your alley. You know, There's medicine that grows in your backyard. You know, some of these houses that have not been well-maintained are actually some of my favorite. You know, houses that have kind of been forgotten or neglected or maybe bulldozed in the next year to grow some multi-mansion, whatever. You know, they have these underkept yards that are filled with beautiful plants. <laughs> and if people <laughs> knew how to use them, they would understand that it's not necessarily underkept, it's just wild. And there's something so beautiful about wildness that we have really forgotten and try to mask over with manicured lawns and manicured lives. And so we just need more plants and stuff in your house, in your yard, in your food, in your drinks, everything.
0: I totally agree. And uh, now that I know that pretty much every sort of alcoholic beverage has some plants in it, I can definitely get behind that statement. Yeah.
1: No, there's. Like super
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to stay on the simple sugar vein. Um, It seems like this is such a complex, you know, amount of sugars and, you know, combinations with that. And with you playing around with certain herbals or herbs, (laughs) herbals and with you sort of going through this herbalism class and the structure, what has opened your mind to more combinations more synergies and holistic approaches to your maybe if you have tea in the morning do you apply maybe some extra rosemary some more you know things like that i mean i mean i'm obviously not in the herbalism community but i'm just tossing out words out there to see if you can sort of catch on but is there anything that has sort of opened your mind along the way that's like hey i can definitely do this
1: Uh, one of our like very first, so the program is really neat and they have done a really amazing job of breaking it up into like a few parts. So not only, you know, you have classes online and I think at one point those things were done in the classroom, but based on the current circumstances, we are learning kind of remotely, but they have allowed us to meet once a month for the last six months. And it's like a field trip and it just awakens every like childhood part of me, you know, it's like, it's just the fun part of school where you get to make projects and you get to go on field trips. (laughs) That's what herbalism is, (laughs) is projects and field trips. And that was just, it speaks to me on so many levels. But one of the very first walks we got to do, I got to meet, and I love this too, is they talk about not only being introduced to plants, but literally meeting them, like meeting plants where they grow. And I got to meet Hawthorne And Hawthorne has really stuck with me from the very beginning. Um, I recently did a, I started selling it as well, but I did a tea blend for my dad. And my dad was kind of struggling with some hypertension and, you know, just kind of emotional heavy life stuff, you know, literally carrying life on your shoulders. And I had spoken with one of my teachers about it and she gave me a beautiful metaphor that not, and it's not just solely in regards to men, but those that allow, you know, your heart is on a shelf in way the way it sits in your body. And so when you put so many things on your shelf and you never take anything off, it's going to lead to failure. It's going to lead to crash. So what can we do and what plant allies can we invite in to take some things off the shelf? So Hawthorne not only treats cardiac like conditions, not extreme cardiac conditions, but minute. Um, it also it's like symbolism is around heart health and grief. And if you look at the way the tree grows, like the bush itself, it kind of it can become very, very large. It grows these massive thorns on it that protect the heart of the tree. <laughs> so everything about it is just signifying this connection back to, you know, what makes your body go and your pump, your emotional support and all of these things, you know, not only the way it grows, but what it helps physically and what it helps emotionally. And so once I learned that, it was like, it opened up this whole new world of what we can do with every spice we invite into our diet. And, you know, where does it grow? And what does it do? And what's the symbolism historically? And what do the native people say about it? You know, like from wherever it comes from. And that's what I mean when I'm like, there's too much to learn, to know. And I am so enthralled with it.
0: I I, I can definitely tell that you're just so passionate about this stuff. I love it. Mm -hmm. I mean, for someone that is completely uh, oblivious to this stuff. Um, although I do understand maybe we can get a little philosophical here. Um, my wife, Kat is reading this book called how not to die and sounds morbid, But it's a very good book. Um, When it comes down to the scientific facts behind it, the mysteries behind it, plants are necessary when it comes to human health. And the premise of the whole book is to not necessarily deter you away from meat completely, but to be conscious of what you eat and being aware that plants have these mysterious qualities about them that um you just don't know yet and modern science really can't explain at the moment you know sort of like endotoxins in meat and sort of plants being able to flush that out of you and there's something that's mysterious about plants that we had we can't put our finger on it yet you know is there something about that that sort of resonates with you where you've found certain like healing properties or you've found certain things about plants maybe in the stories that you've read that is sort of unexplainable at the moment but maybe might be able to be be explained later on in life or what's maybe have an anecdotal evidence in that um, regard what's your, sort of your take on that
1: i trust plant medicine almost above anything else for what it does stand on because it comes from it's as old as the earth <laughs> yeah. and it is a different conversation, you know, that's, that's us defining it in terms where we can write books and do research studies, you know, but there is an energetic quality to medicine that can only be felt. And I think if we actually introduce the way that we feel more into our diets and more into the way that we use other sorts of mm, medical aid, how do they, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we go to a traditional doctor and we ask them how we feel. You know, you might share symptoms or things like that, but you know if you're in pain or not. You know, no one can tell you that better than you can. And so I think mm-hmm. plants have a way of getting on that same level with us and matching those energetic frequencies as like far out as that might sound. I think plant medicine does st- stand on Lots of knowledge and lots of research. Whether or not you're finding it in your same medical textbooks, it's it exists and it's absolutely Mm. there. And there's generations of native people that have a lot to say about it. And I yeah, be appreciative and aware and respectful of all of those that have done research before me because know Mm. it.
0: Yeah, it's writing on the shoulders of giants at this point. You know, so many. yeah, so many generations of Native Americans, the natives of the indigenous people of various different countries and nations have this um, appreciation for it that we sort of lose along the way. Our ancestors have had something that we are just not completely in tune with anymore. You know, maybe animals still have it, like pets, cats, uh, dogs, and whatever, but humans sort of lost it. And we're sort of so centralized in our human community that. Uh, We've lost that mother nature aspect to it. Do you agree on that?
1: I think we have forgotten that human nature is nature. And Mm -hmm. I... I think there is a lot to learn and there's a lot to understand. And I think some of that even comes from communicating with those older than you and that know more than you, <laughs> you know, your grandmother almost always has a trick or a trade to something that you need fixed in your life, <laughs> whether, and i make made jokes a lot about baking soda because I think my mother thought or my grandmother thought baking soda fixed all wounds, no matter what it whiten <laughs> your teeth, wash your clothes, clean the carpet, like all of those things. And, I think I have been so attracted to herbalism because of the plant people that have come before me and that have shown me the ways that you can affect your physical and mental health in a lot of ways. You know, my mom has fixed a lot of my emotional wounds with a cup of coffee and a piece of chocolate. (laughs) Those are plants too. (laughs) And you know, it doesn't always have to be these mass interventions and sometimes that's what it calls for. But I think the little things we deal with in life, plants could probably meet you halfway and at least be an ally through whatever you're going through. You know, mm-hmm. we we'll have turned to stones and rocks to like find this vibrational frequency through, you know, I think that's really popular right now, but to connect with something that is also living or has lived is a whole nother thing.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: A big part of what herbalism can be for many.
0: Yeah, totally. I can totally agree with that part and I think uh I don't know if you knew but I'm a geologist by trade wow. and me dealing with a lot of dead stuff is uh <laughs> a little bit different than uh the biologists. So, uh back in college I uh often shared lab rooms with the biology students in uh, we would come in after them, and they would have these slides of like algae or microorganisms that I, I was almost jealous of. But then I look at the work that they had to do, and I was like, I am not jealous of what you guys are doing right They're now. you
1: stepped <laughs> up to grow. You know, it's just done. Where you got it is where <laughs>
0: <laughs> they've died millions of years ago. I have no care in the world for these guys. If anything, it's just chemistry. <laughs> On a more lighter topic, uh, your Instagram. And you've had quite a following prior to me meeting you in the beginning of December. Um, And I did sort of stalker mode, detective. If anything, it's called research. So Mm -hmm. I did a little research on the boozy botanist. And you were still working with herbs um, and like having them ferment in mason jars. Maybe not ferment. That's probably not the right word. But you have so many other, um, I don't know, cool experiments going on where you're trying different things, where you're uh, sort of showing the world what you're working on and why you're even working on this stuff. And you have cool little blog posts or even article clips, if you will, on your Instagram post. Um, I mean, granted, I don't think you actually do have like an official blog on your website, but nonetheless, you put a lot of good information out there. So I'm actually curious with uh, some of that stuff that you worked on early on. And did that sort of inspire you to bring up the boozy botanist or were you, um, just playing around at that moment and were like, you know what, I'm having fun with this. Maybe I should just make this more of a business thing. You know,
1: it's funny Cause anyone that's known me longer than this year, um, I've been like super anti social media, mo- most of all of my life really. Um, My I was never allowed to like have one as a child. I was kind of brought up in the MySpace Facebook age and my mom is she's not old at all, but she has a tendency to have ideals that are much older than her and much wiser than her. And I think I'm better for it. (laughs) i was not allowed she refuses to use her smartphone that's the only reason that comes out with any sort of attitude (laughs) and um so i never really did social media and i kept saying you know i i didn't want to an instagram or i didn't want people to know my business till i had a business and so shortly before the boozy botanist started i had tried to do an art page i paint and do some other sort of art and it's just not as frequent and so it was really hard for me to keep up with and I think quickly it became a personal account which just becomes really strange to me I have a lot of younger siblings and I just never feel like I don't know I almost feel like you need permission from them to like can I post this of you like you don't even you're not even in the world yet you know like okay. via no what any of this is like can I show you to 2,000 faces like that's I don't know. I felt weird about it. And so I never posted about family, even though that's probably what I would have posted about and felt like it was reserved for travel or, you know, but who's traveling right now? (laughs) Like all these things. And so the boozy botanist came about and I think my energy for this business and what I'm trying to do translates. And I think that's why people like it. I think I am creating and I'm jazzed about everything I'm doing and people, people want to know. And so that's what created the following is, People are interested and want to want to learn more.
0: (laughs) You have some great memes on your Instagram story pages as well. I (laughs) I have to commend you on that. from like a random people doing cocktails that are like the Grinch drink and it's like has some like cool sodas and like, it, it just looks like the Grinch in person. And I mean, the stuff you post is amazing. So I just wanted to throw it out there.
1: With like the cocktail herb community on Instagram, like they're so nice. Everybody's so lovely and like wants you to learn and like people comment and like your stuff and share it. And between like the herb people and the cocktail people I have met the perfect medium
0: (laughs) (laughs) for sure. So, I mean, speaking of the herbal people, as opposed to the cocktail people, I do want to know if you were a little more accommodating towards the people who don't participate in the alcoholic beverages. And do you sell any products that are sort of of that vein?
1: I'm trying to increase those products. Um, As kind of mentioned throughout, I feel like those things require a little bit more intimacy with the process, you know, To throw something delicious into a cocktail is one thing, but to provide a tea blend for someone that helps or aids with these certain things, um, I think takes a little bit more patience and time. The tea blend I currently offer, I blended for my dad, as previously mentioned, and I, I feel really confident in that one. And I like to tell people, too, that are interested in purchasing it, that it was not only a tea blend created to help with the physical things, but... I made it for my dad <laughs> to, to help him emotionally too, you know, just like know that I'm there for him as well as like, here's this thing to warm and comfort you. And I hope you think of me and know that you're loved by your family and all of the things that love in the heart have to deal with. So I think it takes a little more time and patience, but I'm definitely working on it.
0: Yeah. And the blend that you came up with for your dad, it comes from the heart. You know, you wouldn't give it to anyone if your dad didn't approve of it at first. So I definitely come into that.
1: Stepmother Amanda and my dad both are, they like raved about it and I wasn't really expecting it. And so I was like, oh, well, well, I'll see what I'm doing, I guess. <laughs> more trial and error, more practice.
0: <laughs> For sure. And with um, the cool plants that are around your room, you sort of have this like nice feng shui about it, you know? Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's something to be said about um, a house that has very healthy plants you know i have a couple but i mean i don't want to push it too far you know like i said i'm a geologist and i deal with dead things so i don't know how to work with living things so um but i also saw that you have a little lizard as well like a little mini dinosaur that definitely looks like he has like the vertical eye slits too it's almost looks menacing but he was pretty chill in your like instagram video so who is this little dinosaur of yours
1: uh he was my brother's uh I am the oldest of several younger brothers but one of the brothers got a lizard when mm-hmm. I moved to college and I have made jokes throughout this time that, you know, if we do become reincarnated, I hope to never be reincarnated as a 12 year old boy's pet <laughs> because it seems like the worst life ever. So my mother was taking care of him and he was living a fine life, but I have lots of house plans, so I'm like, I'm going to bring him to the jungle. <laughs> like he's coming to my house. So I abducted the lizard and he now lives here. His name is Cheeto. He's Cheeto. Part- He's not really a lizard, but I call him a lizard. He's great. He's very sweet. He doesn't do much. It's kind of concerning to have a pet that doesn't give you any sort of signal that he's like thriving or in pain. It's probably like the most intense emotion I have towards this pet is like, is he loving life or is he just like afraid? He just like freezes to the wall. And I can't tell if he's loving life or hating life because he looks the same way. So that's really stressful, but that's it. <laughs>
0: Our reptiles are reptiles just such interesting creatures and like they're definitely not domesticated. I don't know if it's because of their brain processing or if it's like they just never really grew up with humans and humans just really took no effect to it because, hey, you can't produce milk, eggs, or I can't ride you. You know, I, I really have no point in keeping you as a pet. Right. He's so so
1: it, like he he doesn't know who feeds him. Like you'd think that like some affection would grow, but like he's like just as terrified or like <laughs> whatever look, you know the wide eyed look is he's like, that's always the same. It never changes. <laughs> when we first, got him like I really had to kind of just talk myself through it because I mean I was feeding him strawberries, he was getting fresh crickets, you know, and like the expression never changed. So his life hasn't changed much since then. But I know now that it's not personal, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think deep down, I, maybe like a couple more days, maybe a couple more weeks, maybe even years. I think he really appreciates everything that you do. Fresh strawberries and crickets—that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm all about the fresh food in this house, you know, and I felt wrong to be giving my lizard this like weird puree stuff. I mean, I still give it to him, but he needs some variety, you know.
0: <laughs> like you said, life even happens in an alleyway. So crickets are yeah. found in an alleyway. Yeah. I think that's brilliant.
1: To a little hunter when there's crickets in there. So, you know, it gives him something to do, I guess.
0: <laughs> Animal instinct for sure. <laughs> well, it's been a genuine pleasure, Katie. I, I sadly, uh, I mean, we are almost an hour into it and I, I want to talk to you even more, but I do want to go on to the no brainer questions before I have you leave. And, um, these are questions that hopefully people will say, Psh, that's a no brainer, you know, and have a good answer to them. So, um, here is question number one for the no brainers. If you had some advice for your younger self, what would it be?
1: So kind of stand up for yourself even if it's polite, <laughs> I think it's appropriate. <laughs> I just think you're maybe it's the way I was raised or I'm not I'm not really sure. But just to be polite and kind and all of those things and I, I appreciate all of that. But there's moments in life where it's okay to, you know, tell someone that you don't appreciate that. <laughs> and that you have certain values or ideas that are also worthy and of value. And if I had to tell little Katie that, I'd tell her that it's okay to say that. Mm you're not being rude <laughs> you know you can do those things and be heard and be seen and call it a day you can shake their hand at the end of it and it's fine <laughs> you know that, that would be the advice i'd give my smaller self
0: i was about to say something extra but i think you succinctly said it i think that's a proper way of saying it in a nice you know formal way respectful right. i like that thank you uh number two who deserves a shout out uh who has supported and it hyped you up along the way
1: Oh man, Dylan, my partner has been just like he is my absolute. He's like my whole cheerleading squad. He's like not even just a member. <laughs> he helps. Me <laughs> he's the one that tells me it's worthwhile and it's I should keep going and helps me cut cases and cases of fruit. And <laughs> he's just been an absolute delight and support through all of this.
0: Dylan's a really cool dude. I had the pleasure of meeting him first time at Infinite Monkey Theorem, and. I mean, I I feel like we hit it off pretty well and he's very supportive of you and he definitely believes in everything that you do and chill dude all around. So I I definitely dig his music too. So shout out to Dylan music
1: Yeah, and talented at that
0: and talented for sure. So number three, uh, what's the next big thing for the boozy botanist? I forgot to ask you about this stuff. I'm very curious with your like future aspirations with the boozy botanist. Where do you want to take it to? But maybe you can include it into this question. So what's the next big thing for the boozy botanist and can the audience provide anything of value to you?
1: Instagram follows are always appreciated. (laughs) Check out the website. There's lots of stuff changing and being added right now. So uh, we're about to do another big launch for... I don't really love Valentine's Day, but this whole process has made me much more festive. (laughs) So I think there will be another big product launch in time to have things for Valentine's Day. So probably late January. I really would love to evolve the business to having my stuff more on shelves and allowing restaurants and bars to utilize it as well. Um, But I'd really love to evolve to being a mobile bar service. That's kind of the big picture. Um, Not only mobile bar, but mobile apothecary at that. So we're, we're working on those things. And I think in the next couple months that might be achievable. So
0: that would be so cool having, I mean, I'm imagining like a bachelorette party, but with the boozy botanist, you know,
1: I also agree with that.
0: (laughs) Just get hammered. I mean, well, sophisticatedly hammered and then go out to the clubs, hang out with your ladies, just chill. You know, I feel like that'd be a super cool aspect.
1: Not opposed to any of what you have said. (laughs)
0: awesome katie well last question of the no brainers what's the best way for people to contact you and get more more information about the boozy botanist
1: instagram super convenient um you can message me through my website and that's more email based but yeah messaging through instagram is just so immediate it's such an amazing mode of trans like communication you know (laughs) we're able to communicate so directly so if people have questions or want to know more they're welcome to reach out to me through that
0: Excellent, Katie. Thank you so much. This has been a genuine pleasure for me. And I have to say, I was so entranced with this conversation that I didn't even finish my drink yet. You know, this stuff, I'm like sipping on it and just like, even just smelling it while I'm like listening to you and just entranced with this conversation and like, damn, this is good. I don't even have to taste it. You know, this is good stuff. So-
1: Subtle nerves helped me get mine down pretty easily. So (laughs) I'm not in the same boat, but I'm thankful for the compliment.
0: (laughs) Of course. Well deserved. Um, Keep going at it, Katie. I really appreciate your work, and you're very professional in your work. Um, The way you present yourself and everything that you do with the banners, the presentation of it all, I feel like you have a lot going for you. So kudos. And I really appreciate it. I can't wait to see what the boozy botanist will turn into a year from now, two years from now. I feel like you got something going on. So thank you so much for being on the Big Locals podcast and I will talk to you later. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful night. Isn't Katie such a great guide in the beginning of this episode? I'm not going to lie. I definitely made a couple more Festivus old fashions after the episode. And luckily You all can make your own as well by following her instructions and getting the More Than Maple Syrup, the Festivus Bitters, and the Orange Garnish straight from Katie at her pop-ups or by going online to her website at theboozybotanist.shop. It was an amazing story to hear again, and especially mentally preparing herself for going solo and not relying on other businesses for her livelihood. And I think she said it best herself. It's just as risky working for yourself as it is to work for someone else. And by the looks of it, Katie's pulling out all the stops and is going all in on herself. And I'm hearing rumors that the night market is starting back up on January 15th and January 16th, Friday and Saturday near Fort Greene, the first of the year and started off right and support your local businesses. Kat and I will be over at the night market on the January 15th day. So come hang out with us. This episode is the last one of season one of the Big Locals podcast. I really enjoyed putting on more of an experiential episode, uh, such as creating a cocktail live on the air with Katie. And I want to continue providing some excellent content for you all. In the meantime. Buy gift cards for your favorite restaurants and businesses, follow, like, comment, and share the local scene and be smart and be healthy during this weird pandemic time. Um, The space between season one, which this is the finale of season one. There's no cliffhanger. It's not like a Netflix special or anything, but um, it's kind of like a pause, you know, gets you a little bit more excited for season two. Um, Thanks so much for all the love through season one and here's to many more that come cheers y'all shop local support local big locals podcast see ya